0: So this is our fourth Sunday of Advent, and um, to go along with the season, we've got this video to show you. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, as we come together this morning, we light the candle. The candle reminds us that you have come into this world, this dark world with your light. We ask today that your light shine into our hearts, illuminating the truth, illuminating the love that you have for us. We are so thankful and grateful to be here today to know that we have a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Lord, today as we worship you, we are mindful, Lord, of those who uh, need your special touch this morning. And we ask that you would uh, be with those who are in need of healing, in need of hope, and in need of uh, resources, God, and in friendship. Lord, we ask that you would use us to meet needs in your name. We thank you, Lord, for the promises that we have in the scriptures that say that wherever your word is preached, it goes forth, and it accomplishes the purpose that you have intended for it. And that's our heart's prayer this morning, Lord, that what happens here today would be according to your will. God, your will, Lord, is what we are concerned with. So, God, we submit ourselves to you. We humble ourselves to you by praying the prayer that you taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Our scripture this morning comes from John chapter 15, moving into John chapter 16, and uh, these are the words written by the Apostle John, and these words were spoken by our Lord Jesus. He says, When the Advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me, and you must also testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. All this I have told you so that you will not fall away. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they are offering service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I have told you this so that when their time comes, you will remember that I warned you about them. I did not tell you this from the beginning because I was with you, but now I am going to him who sent me. None of you asks me, where are you going? Rather, you are filled with grief because I have said these things. But very truly I tell you, it is good, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I am going to the Father, where you can see me no longer. And about judgment, because the Prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, much more than you can now bear. But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on His own, He will speak only what He hears, and what He will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. Let's pray for our pastor as he comes. Lord Jesus, as Pastor Mike comes to share these words, God, we ask that the advocate, the Holy Spirit, would give him the words, Lord, that it would be his words that he has heard from you, and that our ears would hear them as well. And receive them with thanksgiving and joy. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Uh, Some
1: cool things are going on around us. Take a look at this first slide. I have a picture up here of uh, our property. This is taken just a few days ago out at our REC Drive property. And for those of you that are just gathering uh, gathering with us, we have bought uh, 29 acres out on uh, Highway 13 and REC Drive. We have the aim of building a church and we have the aim of being in that church out there in 2017. So uh, I hope that you'll go out there during your Christmas light decorating and and looking at all that kind of stuff and go by the nativity. It's really cool right after it gets dark. Because it's got some, uh, it's got a star above it, and then, of course, baby Jesus glows. So go on out there and and not only see it, but take a minute and pray for what's going to happen on that cornfield right behind it in the years to come. Uh, And I certainly want to thank all of you that are participating in the Believe campaign. I want you to show you the next slide, too. That's next week's preacher right here at First Methodist Church. Some of you may remember Doug Cloven, who grew up, went to Marion High, raised up in the Summer Games program. Uh, Some of us know him as Carl Fergus, which is one of his alter egos that he shares with us uh, at Summer Games. So um, we want you to come back and and hear what Doug has to say. He's going to continue right on our uh, uh, gospel track of where we're preaching. But I know that uh, Doug is thrilled to be able to come to his home church. He doesn't get that opportunity very much uh, and share with you the gospel. So I hope you'll come right back. We're going to praise the Lord with some music at the end of our service, so you might think, where'd the songs go? They're coming. It's just that, uh, and I don't want you guys to be uh, too afraid, but at the end of my talk, I'm going to go back in the back, listen to one song, and then I'm going to go uh, correct our confirmation competition, which is their annual competitions right now today. So I need to be down there and love them, comfort them, and crack the whip upon them. And you're welcome (laughs) for all those things. So here we go. So, you know, regardless of what kind of monologue you're in, the intimate monologues are always saturated with I statements aimed at a response from you. So we, we usually say I something and, and we expect something else. You know, I was going to tell a different story, but something happened in my personal life last night that changed all this. My, my nephew, who's 30 years old, Travis Pettibone, got down on his knee last night and looked into the face of this woman named Christy, who he's been dating for a while, and said, Christy, I love you. Will you marry me? He didn't do it in his preaching voice, I'm betting. <laughs> but, but, you know, he threw out there this, 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 this monologue that's saturated with what he's about. What, this is what I'm about. This is what I'm about and will you? Sorry for telling you that way, Cheryl. I didn't know you didn't know. His aunt didn't even know. <laughs> you got to get one of them social media things. It was out there everywhere. So, <laughs> man, now I'm hoping Grandma knows because word will get around. <laughs> but you know, you have these you have these things in your life all the time that, that 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 you lead with I, 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 and and then it comes to a to a you. I I, I had this happen in my own life. A number of years ago, I was uh, living in the West, and my, my favorite seminary professor, a professor that probably had the deepest uh, mark on me, uh, Ron Sleeth, who, whose wife wrote Hymn 707 in our hymnal for his funeral. But just prior to that, he called us and said, he called me and said, uh, hey, Morgan, I need you. I'm dying of stomach cancer. I need you. Will you come now? He, he told me what was his I. I. I need you. I want to be in conversation with you. Will you come? His his statement was saturated with what he had in mind, and was looking for my response. Now Jesus, in in a much greater man, matter, in the in the just in the short piece that Pastor Keith wrote read a few moments ago, directs eighteen I statements. He tells us what he's about. He says I, I at the Last Supper. He says I this I this I this. And it comes with 17 you questions that demand a response. He says, I'm doing this and you should be about this. And his statements and questions are for us today. It wasn't wasn't just for those disciples that were gathered in that upper room. They come to us too. And even here at the edge of Christmas, we need to look at those. So I'm going to take you to three of those statements he makes. The first one he says is, I come. I come. I come. You see, that's really important. That, that's incidentally what all this stuff is all about. That's what all the decorations in our town about, are about, are the fact that Jesus comes. And it's important for us to understand it in the way that He's saying it. The incarnation, that means, incarnation means God takes on human flesh, is an event, not an idea. It's not just some ethereal idea that, that we've put in our own minds to make ourselves feel better about the difficulties of the world. And we say, well, there must have been a little baby born and he brings us hope and all of that sort of thing. No, no, no. This is not an idea, Jesus coming to life. This is an event. Because I'll tell you this, Jesus is not the kind of God that you or I would invent. If we were inventing an idea, this is not where we'd go. You know, here here's a God that, that says He comes to us in, in, in weakness. He comes in a cave, you know, a crib in a cave, not with a crown in a castle. Who would pick a king like that? That's not what we would imagine. We would imagine something grandiose and magnificent. He makes no political friends. This guy is the most politically incorrect person of his time. He talks bad about the rulers at hand. He talks difficult, in difficult measures ab- about the leaders of the church at hand. He rolls with the poor. He hangs out with the poor all the time. That is not how you become popular. You, you, you hang out with the money, right? He, he walks around the brokenhearted. He, he walk, walks around with people that are sick. He, he walks around with, with, with friends that cannot manipulate him. You know, if I'm making up an idea, I'm making it to fit me, right? So, so when the disciples, we have all these stories of the disciples talking to Jesus and saying, hey, if you, when your kingdom comes, can I be on your right hand? And Jesus is like, it's not for me to name. Knock it off. We, we wouldn't make up a, a, a savior, a Jesus like this, nor would we make up or invent a religion that's based around a man who dies without friends nearby. D- Jesus' deathbed is a cross. And where's his crew? Nowhere to be found. Nowhere to be fine. See, if, if we wanted to, to, to a comforting belief system, we would have done a lot different, a lot better than Chris, Christianity. Because, see, Christianity makes difficult moral, ethical demands upon us. And not only does it make these moral, ethical demands upon our life, it tells us that if, if, we, if we don't do, if we don't pursue what God asks us to pursue, judgment's going to come upon us. I mean, and that's in, in the Bible. See, what we, get in, what we need to focus in on when we talk about Christmas, when we talk about the, the I, the I am, that comes, is that God comes right into human history. He establishes himself as a person. He interrupts the flow, and he makes humanity deal with him. He makes humanity deal with, with, with God himself. You have people in your life that are like that, don't you? They make you deal with him? I, I, I'm on the board of trustees of a small college, And uh, the president is one of these guys that makes you deal with him. He's been going around all the trustees in the last six months, and he has dinner with you. And at the end of the dinner, which is always very fun and very nice, he is making an ask. He is saying, this is the number of dollars I need from you. And then he says, looked right into Teresa and I's eyes, and he says, now, are you in or are you out? I need an answer right now. That's a reckoning, isn't it? Are you in or are you out? He makes us deal with the idea of where that particular college is at in this particular time in its history. Are you in or out right now? And I'm gonna tell you, Jesus blasts right into history. Not as an idea, but as a person. And he's bringing a reckoning with himself. And he looks right into the eyes of his disciples and he looks right into the eyes of we that follow him and says, are you in or are you out? You should answer right now. You should answer right now. You should. You should. In Jesus, you see, there are present all the characteristics of God pure holiness, absolute power, righteousness, and knowledge. And in Him, we see the hopes and the possibilities of a reconciled life. You know, over the last month, we've been lighting these candles and playing those, those videos of, of lighting the candles. of of hope, joy, love, and peace. You know, he tells us that there's possibility of those things in this life and in the life that's yet to come. So he says, I come and you can know me. See, that's the first thing. I come and you can know me. He doesn't come as an idea. It's so important for us to get this as Christianity. This is not a philosophy. Christianity is not a philosophy. It's a person. He doesn't come as as an idea to be thought about. He comes as a person with whom we can be in relationship with. And so at the edge of Christmas, your, your pastor asks you these questions. Do you know him? Do you want to know him? And how intimately do you want to know him? These are questions that should be raising up in your spirit all the time. See, this is a reckoning. Christmas is a reckoning. It comes with a presence. It says, I come so you can know me. What's your response? Now, the second I statement that's made in this piece that Keith read a few moments ago is this idea of I go. I come and I go. See, the incarnation event itself, Jesus event is limited to time and space. You you get that, right? I mean, we don't have to to conject that. We can look in in the annals of human history. We can look at the history of the Jews. We can look at the history of the Roman Empire. We can look at the works of Flavius Joseph and see that there was this person that came from Nazareth named Jesus who who had this band of people who was crucified by the Romans on a cross and that it was well known among his disciples that he both resurrected from, from dead and it was spread throughout the roman empire that he <clears throat> appeared many times after his death and that hundreds saw him ascend into heaven so we can look at history and find that we can leave the bible beside although the bible is what i trust and know in but we know that it happened in this specific time and place we know that it happened that jesus lived his earthly life that his actual feet touched the ground in the area we call the middle east and in, in palestine and israel we know that it happened most likely between 6 B.C. and 3380, somewhere in there, <clears throat> depending on how you read history. But it was not a forever moment. It was a human life. It could be at one time, place at one time. It, it was not a forever moment. It's a forever moment that we commemorate year after year, day after day. But, but you see, Jesus says, I come, and then he says, and I go. I go to the cross for your sake. I go so that you have made available to you a relationship with me. And that's why I go. I go to make room for the Holy Spirit because I can only be at one place at one time. But the Holy Spirit can be at all places at all times. He can be with all people all the time. I come and I go. Now, he goes on and says, I go... You don't abandon the faith. You don't abandon the faith. That's the calling you. you know, see, there's this natural inclination to self-preservation. Natural inclination to self-preservation. Let me, let me tell you what I mean. Uh, you know, I, I told this story at the 745 service, and I feared that when I told it at 945, I would horrify some young parents. So if you need to, hold some ears. I'm of the age of guys that grew up with a jackknife in your pocket. you grow up with a jackknife in your pocket? All right, some of you. Okay, so then you understand this game, and I apologize to you that are younger. So my next-door neighbor, John Argus, and I, we're good friends growing up. We were next door. We ran around together and all that kind of stuff. But every once in a while on the summer days, you get bored. And so you'd play a game named Flinch. Guys with pocket knives, have you played it? And yeah, you've got a lot of hands going up. A lot of wives saying, don't put your hand up. So in, in Flinch, what you did is you stood about 10 feet apart, and you put your feet like this, and you opened your jackknife, Right? And then you threw it at the other person's foot as close as you could get without hitting them. And of course, if they flinched, you won. Now, you weren't supposed to hit the foot. Now, Brian, you knew John, John real well. Would you have trusted him? Not so much, right? <laughs> he loads up. I love that guy, but every time he'd load up, every once in a while, I was like, oh, he's looking right at my foot. <laughs> you know. So, so, you know, we, we, we played that game because here's your natural inclination. If somebody's got a jackknife and they're flinging it at your foot, your natural inclination is self-preservation, right? That's the natural inclination of human beings always and everywhere. We have this thing that, that draws us towards self-preservation. And when the disciples are told, Jesus says, I came for you, now I'm going, their first response is not, where are you going, Lord? Their response is, what's going to happen to me? If you go, what's going to happen to me? If you go, what, what, what's gonna be up with my life? What, what am I going to do next? And here's what Jesus says. He says to him, here's what's gonna happen to you. Don't fall away. You're gonna be challenged to abandon the faith. You'll be challenged to walk away. There, it is not whether or not, and I've talked to several people this morning, they're having trials in their life. It's not a matter of not, of whether you're going to have trials in your life. That's just the timing thing, right? All of us that are older than 20 know, yeah, trials are coming. We're either in them, or we're walking out of one, or one's coming towards us. That's how our life is. And what Jesus says is, as trials come, do not abandon your faith. Do not fall away. Because the good news is, and here's the really good news of this message, I stay. Isn't that interesting? That Jesus says, I come, I go, And I stay. Now, can you do that? God can. Let me talk about that just a little bit. See, the Holy Spirit promises never to leave. Because that's hard for us. Because we have no fitting example of never leaves in our life. Everything we know comes and goes. Let me give you a good example, right, from this sanctuary. I'm going to tell you all, I'm going to ask you to come back in a minute, but I'm going to ask you all to look up to your left and see that top window up there. Right here where it says, from our railway friends. Have you seen that before? Now, watch this, those of you who have been around here for a long time. We're going to do a simple raising of hands at 945. Raise your hand, not quite yet. Raise your hand if in the time you've known or lived in Marion, there was not a railroad track through it. Raise your hand if there were no railroad tracks since you've known Marion. A lot of hands going up halfway. Here's the thing. In 19, this was put in 1895, but in 1952, half, more than half of the people that lived in the city of Marion worked for a railroad. More than half. In 1952, that's, that's 60-some years ago. So, so, so the railroad was always going to be popular. As a matter of fact, my grandmother came to the bustling railroad town of Marion for her honeymoon because we were such a train destination on the way to Chicago and all that kind of stuff and stayed in one of our beautiful hotels downtown. You, you see them today on your way in? No? They're gone? Okay. See, see... Marion, it's not a train town. There's not a single track through here and hasn't been. I've lived back here 13 years now and there's not a single track around. You, you can't find them. And yet it was the primary driver of this e- economy. And, 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 but, but it went. It, it, it left. There was a lake near Reno, Nevada for more than 2,000 years called Owen Lake. It was, I'm sure, the life-giving source in that part of the desert to all the indigenous people and all the animals. And in 1926, it just dried up. You can see from space where it was. But when you're there, you can't see that there was a lake ever there. Things come and go. And, and so when Jesus says, I come, I go, we say we get that because people come and go. But then when he says, I stay, what you have is Jesus Christ, our Lord, breaking the natural rhythm of everything that we know, stating that the Holy Spirit is going to come and is going to stay. And he's going to strengthen and fortify your witness. You see, we need to plug into that eternal presence i have said out loud and, and, and i've certainly been told this to uh, have been told about others i've said to my children i know i'll love you forever now is that possible because what's real is as far as they know is i can love them till the day i die right unless love has an eternal combustion behind it Which is what Christians believe. We believe that God spoke creation into existence because of love. And that love runs through it. So when I say to someone, I'll love you forever, that's true because my death is not going to stop my love for you. It continues on. My earthly life stops. And so when Jesus says, I'm going to be with you forever, what he's saying is, I'm sending you a presence that's going to be here with you forever. It's not going to dry up like Owen Lake. It's not going to run away like the businesses that took the trains away and turned our once regal uh, depot into uh, you know, a park uh, shelter. That's not going to happen to the Holy Spirit. And not only that, the Holy Spirit isn't coming just to be here. He's coming to give you trustworthy counsel. He's coming to give you eternal guidance so that you will be strengthened and fortified for something big, for something absolutely huge. See, I stay, says Jesus, and the bigness I want you to do is you testify about me. I stay, you tell people, about me. See, the purpose of the Christmas event is the salvation of the world. It's not about pretty lights. It's not about warm, glowing things. It's not about having cozy feelings. It's not even about singing songs. It's not about sitting around a tree and, 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 and unwrapping gifts. See, we have all those warm feelings. Because in the brokenness of the world in which we live, God promises that if we receive him personally, eternal wholeness is available to us. You know we light a candle of hope because the Spirit tells us that, that in the in the midst of a a, a world that's quite amiss, if you believe in me, better days are ahead. Better days are coming, regardless of what's going on. We we light a candle of joy, even though. <clears throat> So many of us, maybe even some of us here, are locked in in joyless situations where drudgery seems all around us. Because the Holy Spirit says, I'll bring you joy and in me your joy can be complete. And you'll know that there is an eternal plan that goes from here until forever. And so therefore you might not be happy in every single moment, but you'll have joy. We light a candle that calls itself love. Because we we light that right in the midst of a world where it seems that, that that hatred and loneliness have the upper hand, but Christ says, "I am love. Love comes from God. It's eternal, and I I cast it upon you. I offer it to you. I encourage you to offer it to others because it transcends all of that which you're in right now. And we light a candle that's called peace, and we light that audaciously. In the midst of a world where war has such a stronghold in the human heart and in our community. I stay, says Jesus. You testify about me. I come, I go, I stay. Because Christmas is merry. Christmas becomes merry. Because the great I comes, goes, and stays for you. And this is not to be hoarded by Christians. This, this, this whole Jesus coming, Jesus staying, Jesus, Jesus going, Jesus staying is not to be hoarded by the churches. It was meant by Christ himself to be shared. That, that's why at the edge of Christmas, I, I unapologetically come up here and don't cast some nostalgic blessing on you, but speak to you about witness. See, every generation, including the one we're living in right now, and this is the only generation you and I get, we only get this generation to live in, and every single generation that's ever been, that, that is now and that's coming, needs a witness for the great I who comes, who goes, and who stays. The Holy Spirit has enabled millions in every generation. That's how you heard about it, right? The Holy Spirit enabled mi- millions in every generation. Many, many, many have not testified. Millions have not testified. But many have, and now I'm here because many people, some I've already mentioned in this talk, but others like them, have testified to me. That's how I know about the Lord Jesus Christ. That's how I had an inkling that there was a God, that there was a, a Christ out there, that there was a Holy Spirit, that the world had this this prime mover and this intellect behind it that is purely and completely powerful. Is that others testified to me first? And what the Christ of Christmas says is that fueled by the Holy Spirit, you're called today, you're called today to not let your testimony end here and now or with the moment that your life dies. I can call upon the names of of 20, 30, 50 people whose testimony hasn't died because they imparted it in me and I'm sharing it with others. See, when Jesus says, I come I go and I stay, you can know me, you can testify to me. We're supposed to be doing that because millions in our generation, and I would count you among them, those that hear the words of the gospel, that listen to Christian radio, that enjoys the songs we sing and all that, you have been enabled. Your on switch has been flipped. And so the question right now at the edge of Christmas is, if you're among those that have been enabled to testify, is it your intention? Is it your inclination? Is it your plan to make Christmas merry for future generations? Is that your plan? If it is, your mission is pretty clear. Testify to the one, the one and only, who makes Christmas and every single other day Mary, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Let's pray. Father God, from beyond all time, you spoke to us. You loved us. You cared for us. You have given us all that we need. And we ask, O oh Lord, now, that we might be those who testify to you. In the name
0: of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.